Jason Van Tatum of your host. It is Monday, April 11th. I survived the weekend. Man, it was a little touch and go there for a little bit. All right, I might get a little dramatic when I get sick. I hope someone at least told Robert Smith that uh, he made the best album in the history of all humankind. All human history. Life on Earth. Disintegration. It's the best album ever made. Prove me wrong. All right. Well, today we have a combination show. It's going to be uh, the first part is going to be the interview I did with Lori Dale Marshall, who is the executive director of Evix, which is the um, Estes Valley Family Resource Center. And um, they, they, try to strengthen and support families and children in the Estes Valley in the early years of life. Lori Dale Marshall is kind of a powerhouse in town. I first met her when I was on the um, board of directors for the arts district here in Estes Park. And um, man, she's got her finger in everything. She's just one of those uh, movers and groovers that are always trying to, to make things a little better. And uh, so we had a great interview with her about the, uh, the lack of housing, the housing shortage that we are experiencing here in Estes Park because it had a dramatic effect on her own family. And uh, many of the families that she works with, with over at Evix. Um, so we've got that. I also made it down to Denver Friday before I got sick. I don't know what, I, it must've been like a late, a late winter flu, early spring flu. I don't know, maybe it was COVID. Maybe I, you just never, I don't know anymore. I don't know if it's the flu or the cold or COVID. Maybe it's just me getting old. Things seem worse than they are, but man, I high fever, just you know, like uh, hardcore flu, beating you in the gut with a with a baseball bat. Man, all weekend I just lost like two days as a blur. Then I had this weird like vertigo thing. Every time I wake up, the room would spin, but not just like in a straight circle. It was like wibbly wobbly everywhere. It was just a crazy experience. Um, and yes, I do get a little dramatic. I get man sick uh, via social media. If you follow my Twitter or Facebook, you'll see, you'll, you'll know exactly when I'm sick. Cause I, I tend to, 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 to get a little dramatic and uh, yeah. All right. Well, um, what else do we got going on this week? Later today, I've got an interview with a gentleman named Jacob Erdman. And this is response to uh, in response to the piece I did last week with Kevin uh, DeMont, the uh, black comedian of color, a uh, queer comedian out of Fort Collins who kind of was calling out the Fort Collins comedy scene. I was reached out by to by Jacob Erdman to kind of tell the other side of the story. So we're going to hear what he has to say later today, or it won't be in today's podcast, but I'll be recording it later today. Um, oh yeah. The second half of this interview is going to be uh, from Friday evening. I did make it down to Denver to the, uh, down to Bit Factory, which is the gallery that represents my fine artwork, 
And, um, oh, some good news. I'm going to have uh, three to five pieces in an upcoming show in June, The Us Show. I was in it last year. Um, so that should be interesting. I'll have, I'll have to have uh, um, Bill Tomlinson, William Tomlinson, uh, come on the show here uh, shortly to talk about that show and, and what it means. I had a chance to, to talk with him and the um, editor of Out Front Magazine, OFM, which is the oldest queer magazine I don't, I don't know if it's in the, I think it's just in the state, but it's over 40 years old. Um, I know I've written articles about the history of pride in Colorado and, and they were a, a big, you know, dot on that timeline. So I uh, had a quick little interview there about this, this uh, series of, of events that they're doing. So we'll end off the show with that. Um, so yeah, that's what's coming up for this week. Um there's a few other things. I'm forgetting them now, but you know, the coffee's still working. I'm still recovering from being sick. Uh, so we'll go from there. I got a, a, just a ton of writing to do today too. That's it, every day. It's become my life. My life has become research and writing. All right. Well, let's just go ahead and jump into this interview with Lori Dale Marshall, LDM, and uh, hear what she has to say about the housing crisis here in Estes Park. And, um, how we might be able to move forward, just just where we are. It's more of a state of where we are and and wishful thinking more than anything at this point. It's really where any and all of us are at this point. So uh, we're just going to jump into that and go from there. I hope you guys had a better weekend than I did because, uh, man, not fun. Being sick sucks. Boy, it just sucks. That's all I can say about it. Maybe I'm just getting old and, and wussified in my old age. But, yeah, all right. I, I do blame my daughter. It was Lux. It's Lux's fault. She brought it home from school. And um, she had it one night before me, and then I got it, and boom. So, uh, yeah, be careful out there. It's creeping around, whatever it is. I'm not the only one. All right, here we go. I'm getting sidetracked. We'll get into the interview. Okay, we're here with Lori Dale Marshall. And we wanted to just talk about the the housing shortage here in town and, and what's been going on with that. So you were the one dissenting voice that stood up at the last town hall meeting mm -hmm. and um, spoke out against it and gave a very personal story. Um, so let's just start with that and just, you know, the impacts you're seeing with the housing crisis here in Estes Park, um, the, the real life implications of that crisis and how it's affecting not only other families in the community, but your family. Yeah. Well, thanks, Jason. Yeah, that um, I was really compelled to speak up, even though I was the only one that that was speaking in favor of the ordinance, because um, not only my own personal story, which I did share that night, but just um, as the director of EVIX Family Resource Center here, we definitely are seeing housing needs um, as the biggest need of of individuals and families that enter our, our resource center. And the sad thing about that is there's not a lot of places to send them to in fact there's none and for for listeners that are not from the ss valley because we're getting more and more um explain what evix is yeah so evix family resource center is a local nonprofit organization and we provide services and resources that strengthen families and children and so we really do things like tuition assistance programming we develop workforce in the area of early education and child care and we do a lot of advocacy work um, around increasing capacity for for 
early education opportunities, as well as housing and many other things that are important to families. And um, along with that, we do a lot of programming um, and family development work that really just helps come alongside families and connect them to the resources they need to thrive. And you're, you're really someone who's been very, very plugged in here in the community. Um, so let, let's jump ahead to, to the town hall meeting. Um, tell us about what you you talked about and and your story there. Yeah, well, it was um, a little bit intimidating when I walked in and I realized that when I signed up for public comment, they they wanted you to put for or against um, the ordinance, and I realized that I was literally the only one that had checked for, and so um, it was a little bit intimidating. But again, I just felt compelled to put a face, you know, um, and a story that maybe is not one that a lot of people have heard. As I said here at the Resource Center, we're serving a lot of different folks, maybe folks from the Hispanic community, um, maybe folks with lower socioeconomic, you know, status or situation, um, maybe families that have just arrived to this community. But I wanted to give a different picture. And, you know, here I am, a professional, uh, two-income family. I have, you know, a husband. We are able to afford to live here. And yet there's literally no inventory for housing. And I thought that that was an important snapshot to give the community and the decision makers. So what we're... Where's your situation now? Are you have you found? Well, we we were able to find a house, and uh, and um, funny enough, it happened because someone was watching that meeting and heard me make that public comment. Um, it's a fairly significant increase, um, but we are in a situation of not having choice, um, quite literally. And although it's going to work out okay, um, it. It was a very stressful time, and it didn't feel great to have that much opposition to something that was a fee that annually is less than what I pay in rent every month, like far less. And so, again, I thought that that was an important thing to share and to make people aware of is that... What's being asked is pretty reasonable, and especially since we understand that it is tied in some capacity to the lack of housing inventory. So I understand we have some good news when it comes to you had when you were speaking, you had mentioned a a, um, a place where families were living um, that they were also facing um, having to leave the community because of the short term rental Mm -hmm. issue and and Mm -hmm. the. um, the available housing. Um, Tell us about what happened there. Yeah. So there was an apartment complex that was sold, you know, that, that happens. Um, And because of necessary renovations and the future of the, of that apartment complex, um, the, all of the families and the people that were living there needed to leave and they got about a month's notice. And that represented seven different family units um, and quite, a a lot of children. Um, And so luckily there was a lot of community um, organizing and coming together. And I'm happy to say that through conversations with that new owner, those families are allowed to stay through the end of the school year. So toward the end of May. So again, a short term, um, 
you know, Band-Aid <laughs> to a much bigger problem. And but it does give community organizations and those families time to find long term housing and long term supports that might help them get into a place that they won't have to continue to move. Yeah. And this is an ongoing issue. I mean, every every other day, it seems like now, um, if not every week, we're seeing more and more posts of the local Facebook pages um, talking, you know, and, and it used to be kind of the you'd see a lot of, you know, service industry folks. But now more and more it's it's in the people in real estate. It's people in, you know, mm -hmm. traditional jobs where generally you were making enough to, to live in a community. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it's going across demographics now. Um, what, what do you think of, how, how do we begin to approach this issue? Because, mm -hmm. and what are the effects in your opinion, um, that we're going to see from kind of the, the drain that the community is going to go through, um, with having people just not have options to continue to stay here and have to go rebuild a life somewhere else. Yeah. Well, what, what you just gave it, uh, you know, a description of happens all the time. I mean, we, we, I bet everyone that you ask knows of a family or an individual that had to leave the community because of a lack of housing or, or other necessary resources. And so, frankly, I talk a lot about the culture of our community. And what I'm interested in seeing is people understanding that equitable access to housing is very reasonable. And if we want to have a diverse community in terms of age, um, if we want to have a community that has children that will grow and stay here and, and can have an expectation of that, um, then we have to recognize those connections to the lack of housing and we have to do something about it. I do think that there are things on the horizon. There are multiple um developments that are happening right now that are going to be increasing the number of units. But even when all of those are built, we're still going to be at a deficit. And that's that's the issue with the short-term rental um, connection. Everyone understands it's not the only you know, contributing factor, but it is a contributing factor. And so there have to be a lot of tools and a lot of, of things implemented to be able to solve this. Much like the um, access to childcare and, and early education in our community, that's been an issue for over a decade. Housing, similarly. And it's only getting worse because people want to move here and they want to live here. And in my opinion, we should make it possible for folks to live here because that provides us that culture of community that is diverse, um, where we have a variety of, of mixed ages. Um, that's just going to provide a robust and enriched community that where we all want to live and we're all able to thrive. One of the things um, before the very positive outcome of that apartment complex situation that was a little bit frustrating is there were some folks that 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 stepped up and offered housing, but it was very limited and it caused families to have to make decisions about the, their values and their priorities in their life. And I don't think it's fair for us to suggest that someone move to Fort Collins or move to Loveland as a solution for the Estes Park housing crisis. Yeah, and I think it's unrealistic for us to believe that people are going to just continue to make, say, a two-hour round trip you know, uh, commute every day for work. And that, that, that affects everything from the quality of educators we can get into town to, 
you know, just the quality of employees and the, the diversity of community. Yeah, it definitely is. And that's one of the things that I made in my public comment is it's my own personal philosophy to work in the community in which I live. I want to be giving back to my community in all of the ways. And it just doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> and some people enjoy that drive up the canyon. Um, and that's great. And that, again, speaks to that diversity and that choice ability. All right. Well, I think that's covered everything that I want to cover. Is, what, is there anything more you'd like to talk about? Yeah. Um, I just really appreciate the opportunity to share more and give another perspective. And um, again, there's, there is some positivity moving forward. There's some legislation that's coming through that is likely to contribute to some long-term um, support of housing. And so I think that there is hope on the forefront, but back to that culture of our community. Um, I believe that it's going to take more of us in, in the Estes Valley to understand the value of equitable access to housing for everyone. Yeah, and I think we really need to begin energizing the younger demographic, the younger voters that are here. So I think a lot of us have become disenfranchised and we saw that with a low voter turnout with this last election. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think we need to start organizing as, you know, the, the young aspect of this community, um, because I think we've been underrepresented. Yeah, I think I think that that's a great a great point as well. And I know that we attract a lot of young people who would love to stay here. But again, due to this this issue of housing, aren't always able to do that. And so how great would it be if we could elevate their voice and and they could they could help to make change in this? All right. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to, to sit down and have a discussion with us. Yep. Thank you, Jason. All right. That was our interview with Lori Dale Marshall, Executive Director for EVIX Family Resource Center here in Estes Park, Colorado. Uh, our next interview brings us out onto the street on Santa Fe in denver um in, out in front of this was recorded out in front of the bit factory gallery which is owned by william tomlinson who actually uh has a local hook into our community his family has uh lived here for quite a while his brother john tomlinson one of my closest friends actually owns nikki nikki steakhouse here in town and um he owns the bit factory gallery where i show my artwork uh, as I said earlier, I'll have a show coming up in August there. Uh, I'll let you know more about that when it come, happens. But we're, we're sp speaking with Addison Heron Wheeler, who is the editor-in-chief, co-publisher, and co-owner of Outfront Magazine, which is one of the pillars of the LGBTQ plus community here in Colorado. They've been around for over 40 years and uh, just thought I'd take a quick moment to, to grab a quick interview about their their new project they've been doing and um, just talk a little bit. So here's that interview. All right. So you are the editor for Outfront Magazine? Yes, I am the editor-in-chief, co-owner and co-publisher. All right. And now we also have the owner of Bit Factory Gallery, and I already know your name and spelling. So, <laughs> so let let let's just talk about the event tonight. Tell us what's going on here. Um. So this is Neon Dreams. It is put on this time by Outfront Magazine, OFM, and Start Out. Um, so we are combining, and also of course Bit Factory, where the event is happening. So it's kind of a combination of all three of us putting this on. 
And is it going to be a series of things that are going on? Is this going to continue through the summer? Yes, it is a series. Um, I, yes, this is the third one. I believe the next one might be at a different venue, but I do know that we're very happy with this venue and we're going to keep yeah, just, doing a bunch of them here. If they outgrow me, that's all. Yeah. So what, what, for people who haven't been to one of these, what is it? What's going on tonight? You want to? Uh, well, it's a networking event. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's specifically geared towards, but it's, it helps the LGBTQ plus community. Um, but uh, it's it's pretty much for everybody, isn't it? Yeah, queer networking, wanna... art. Um, I think it's just all about checking out the art that you have up. Also, networking. We have some tables, so all that good stuff. Right on. And we did our first one in February, I believe. And how has response been? Uh, well, it's it, it increased exponentially every time. Yeah. I think I the first one we had earlier. 19 people at, and I, we've got to be at at least 50 or 60 so far tonight. Yeah. It's still early. So yeah, it's it's been really well, uh, really good. Really yeah. Good. Every time there's more people, and this one, um, I think partially thanks to Start Out, partially thanks to you and just bringing different artists, and just also increasing every time. Yeah, there's been more and more people each time. Well, so. uh, this time you're increasing you're including vendors too, right? Which yes. is a new thing. Yes, we're gonna start having vendors. So we have, I have some of my stuff on the table with OFM. We have Deviate Distillery doing the drinks and we have a few other vendors, I believe. And then DJ Buddy Bravo is DJing. Hang on, yeah. All right. It's a damn good time. So yeah. for, for my listeners, it may not be because a lot of them are either out of state or out, up in the mountains. Mm -hmm. um, tell us about OFM. OFM is also known as Outfront Magazine. We have been around for 46 years now, turned 46 this wow. year, since 1976. Um, initially started in Boulder, actually, but we've been in Colorado for the past 46 years. Um, we've gone through some different iterations. It's like a, you know, a more tabloid style, and then twice a month and stuff like that. Now we are monthly magazine. Also, podcast, website, book publishing company, and we. Yeah, also and you guys just put out your first book, right? Yes, we put out our first book through Q Publishing House um, earlier this year, back in February, around Valentine's Day, and it is an erotica collection by Amanda E. K. That's impressive. I didn't know you guys been around that long. Yes. Wow. Oh, I've written articles about the history of. Yeah, like I remember seeing around when stuff. I was younger and stuff, yeah. but I didn't realize that. Oh, yeah. That's impressive as hell. Yeah. Yes. Wow, it's, kind of... it's older than me, so it's intimidating <laughs> to have that <laughs> legacy. Just shy younger than I am, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for taking a quick moment. Yeah. Thank you so much. All right. Well, that's it for the show today. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to help support this show, if you're loving what you're getting, keep in mind, membership, paid membership, is only $4.99 a month. It's less than one cup of coffee, and that'll help keep me on the internet's airwaves. Also, if you're a business owner, local to Estes Park, or just someone who feels you'd like to get in touch with my audience, and you're doing all the right things as an employer, I'd love to hear from you. I have limited sponsorship opportunities happening. Uh, just get a hold of me, Jason at coloradoswitchblade.com otherwise just do your part by sharing the podcast episodes that you love the most with your with your friends that always helps too all right well once again i'm jason van tatenove thanks for listening in and i'll talk with you soon you've been listening to the colorado switchblade